0: Welcome to the journal.ie's The Explainer. This is a bonus episode brought to you by our investigative platform Noteworthy, where we carry out journalistic projects based on ideas sent to us by the public. I'm Susan Daly and this week at Noteworthy, our reporter Niall Sargent looked in detail at the Irish live export trade and concerns over the welfare of cattle exported to the EU and further afield. I'm joined this morning by Niall and Dr Alexander Rabic, an Austrian veterinarian, lecturer in animal welfare and former welfare inspector to discuss the trade in young Irish calves to the EU. Niall, thanks for joining us today. Before we talk about animal welfare issues that you've raised, could you explain for our listeners here exactly what live exports are?
1: Yes, Susan. Um, the, the live export trade really it does what it says on the tin. You know, It's the trade in live animals from one country to another for various reasons. So, for example, if you look at farm animals like pigs, sheep and chicken, they're mainly exported abroad for slaughter, while horses would be exported for rearing predominantly for sports and recreational activities. It's really then in the trade of cattle that Ireland has excelled. So you have cattle often going for slaughter like other farm animals, but they're also sold to farms abroad for fattening up, for further reselling and also for breeding. So the export of the live cattle in Ireland brought in over 120 million last year. And just to put that into context, that's more than all of the other animals exported combined. So it's really the the leader in live exports from Ireland.
0: That's a good chunk of change for farmers. In your investigation, you also wrote that this trade is important to farmers for reasons other than finances.
1: Yeah, so the, the financial elements, you know, it, it is, of course, an important part of the trade. It's important for any livestock farmer as they're you know coming to rely more and more on subsidies. But overall, the, the income that farmers will be getting from the live export trade is a small piece of the, the farming income pie in Ireland, let's say. But in the larger scheme of things, the, the, the key value is actually that the export trade has a role in stirring up price competition in Ireland. It really gives farmers this alternative market outside of this small group of domestic processors who have a, a real tight grip on the market. So that's the feedback we get from farmers. It really gives them another option for income in the Irish market.
0: And so Niall, once the animals are sold, just exactly where are they going?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so we would have two main uh, markets for different types of cattle going out of Ireland. So there's a market in North Africa and the Middle East. Now that's mainly for bulls, Libya being the top destination country at the moment, despite the ongoing conflict or tensions there. And this is one of the reasons welfare groups have, have raised concerns about these trips. They're nearly two weeks long to get the cattle by sea. So they're concerned about the impact at sea but also in the destination countries where the welfare standards are generally below those within the eu so that's one market but the the bigger market of two is that going to the uk and mainland europe so exports to the uk have traditionally been the strongest but spain and the netherlands are now shooting up in their intake of irish cattle particularly with the rise of the export market in calves in recent years
0: your findings clearly show that the exports to the two countries are growing steadily. But now why is the export in calves specifically? Why is that growing?
1: Yeah, the, the main reason behind that is dairy expansion in Ireland. So we've been expanding over the last, say, 10 years or so. It was really influenced as well then by the removal of the EU milk quota in 2015. And on top of that, the state has really been pushing and supporting the industry to grow over the last decade. So you just have to look at the numbers. Dairy cows numbers are now at around 1.5 million. That's a 21% increase in numbers since that milk quota was removed in 2015. The rapid expansion, while good for the income in the farming sector, has also created a headache for the sector. So that is in the form of the hundreds of thousands of male calves who are born every year. They obviously don't produce milk, so there's no real value to the farmers. This has also coincided with a shift in the breeding of dairy cows, where we're now specializing in breeding those that are not really suited for going over to the beef sector. So the exports of the male calves is becoming a big, big industry. And now you have around 150,000 very young or what would be called unweaned calves going to Europe every year.
0: I might bring you in here, Dr. Rabich, uh, Alexander, as you have said, I can call you. Uh, Niall mentioned unweaned calves there. Could you explain to us what we mean by an unweaned calf and what extra care or protection do they need in the early stages of their life?
2: Yes, I can try. And An unweaned calf is a very young cattle immediately after birth, which cannot stand and live on fodder alone, neither on grass nor hay or silage. These calves are very dependent on liquid food. in The first run the mother's milk and later on uh, milk substitutes, and this period will last up to eight weeks at least. So they are dependent in the beginning on liquid food, and later on it's uh, step-by-step Exchanged with fodder, but not um, you can withdraw um, the milk only or milk substitutes only with the age uh, of eight weeks at the earliest. Uh, what care or protection they need. Now, I think that in natural um, herds, uh, the calves would uh, drink at the mother's other at up to 12 times. A day within 24 hours, so every two hours a calf might drink at the mother. Uh, in the stable, uh, the intervals are uh, they usually are fed twice a day, so every 12 hours. But on board of the loris it's impossible to feed them with milk or milk substitutes. They uh, they in most cases get uh, electrolyte solutions plus some sugar inside. Uh, so they get energy, but what, what they do not get is protein. We need to, get, to feed um, the animals or the non-weaned uh, calves according to their needs and not what, uh, to the needs of the industry to forward uh, the live animals uh, to foreign countries. So it's not possible to feed them on board. Um, these animals are very sensitive to infectious agents and to a, a microclimate around. Infections agent means, well, they are get, uh, collected on several um, stables or assembly uh, centers. Uh, many animals come together, up to 200 in, inside the lorry, uh, with different or- origins and with different bacterias and viruses. And at that age, they are not able to uh, produce uh, Immunoglobulins means antibodies against uh, these infectious diseases in a short time or in a necessary amount.
0: That's an extraordinary portrait that Alexander paints for us there, Nile. Uh, when we think of babies of any type, human animals, their nutritional needs, their immune system at that stage, probably not a surprise then that young animals are where welfare groups have been raising concern.
1: Yes, it's, it's exactly these reasons that Alexander mentioned there, that the, the welfare groups have found issue in Ireland and also European animal welfare groups also have found issues with the, the export trade from Ireland. I guess a, a core part of the reason why there's such concerns about the export from Ireland is that we are an island nation at the western edge of Europe. So the calves have to travel much longer distances by road and also by sea than you would uh, with the trade in mainland Europe alone. So the welfare groups are saying that you know these young unweaned calves are going for too long without the, the the feed, as Alexander explained there, alongside other general issues like the stress from a long journey that can take you know up to two days in some cases to complete, and this includes an eighteen to nineteen hour stretch at sea uh, on the ferry to France before they reach mainland Europe. Just to give an example, sort of 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 a journey um, earlier this year two uh, NGOs tracked the transport of unweaned calves from an Irish mart to where they were sold in the Netherlands. So they documented, followed trucks along the way, documented the entire process. uh, And they claimed that the calves were not fed during a 24-hour journey by land and sea up to the first control post in France. And the actual total journey time up to this point from when they left their original farm to this point in France was nearly a total of 50 hours. So it's a, it's a long, long journey for, for the calves.
0: And Alexander, from your own research on the issue and the description you gave us earlier, there is an impact these journeys are having on the health and welfare of the animals, especially if the calves are going for so long without feeding. Instead of, say, 12 times a day on mother's milk, we're talking about twice a day on this solution purely for energy. What is happening to them on these journeys to mainland Europe?
2: Now, yeah, they are... At- health impacts and welfare impacts of course on the one side they cannot reach or get no access or do not understand the technique how to use the drinking facilities on board so uh, and if some accept that and recognize how to see how how this uh, instruments or these nipples are working in most cases there are still metal nipple drinkers on board when some uh, of the calves understand how to use it, there will be a competition for the resources of water on board or electrolytes on board. They will be exhausted. So they are, of course, suffering from food deprivation and they starve hungry.
0: Now, knowing this long journey awaits the calves, what are Irish authorities doing to ensure that they are safe and that their health is maintained?
1: Yes, so there, there are very strict rules in place in in the eu but also in ireland you know, we've we've in fairness we've been lauded for going above and beyond the EU rules in, in many areas of the irish live export trade so this includes there's very high levels of inspections uh, within ireland and there is also the need for journey logs to be provided uh, before the journey but also information provided on return there's checks on temperatures in the trucks and there's also a very fairly thorough examination of GPS data to ensure that the trucks are stopping to allow the calves to rest when they reach Europe. So the industry you know have argued and pointed out to us as well as Bord Bia and also the department it was very they a big point they made was that these high welfare standards that they say the industry has will be reflected in low mortality rates of the calves. So the the mortality rate is 0.01% um, during the transit. So the Department of Agriculture said this is orders of magnitudes lower than you would find on Irish farms themselves, farming groups and live exports. You know, they told us Ireland has an excellent reputation for supplying high quality, healthy cattle. This is backed up by board Bia's live export uh, lead person who told us based on the feedback from their client markets, you know, we have that strong reputation. Um, And as one of the biggest players in the industry told us, it's very simple for them. Exports don't get paid for dead, injured or damaged livestock. It's in their best interest to keep them healthy and alive to the end of the process.
0: That all sounds great, Niall. Yet despite this, you found that there are still issues, including cases of breaches of welfare rules.
1: Yeah, so, uh, you know, as we said before, a big thing coming back to us again and again from, from Irish and European animal welfare groups who have tracked, you know, many shipments of Irish calves going to Europe is that these strict rules are only good on the paper that they're written on. So several of those shipments, like I said, they tracked, they found, as we mentioned, you know, Uh, animals going, the calves going far in excess of the times allowed before they need to be fed. And then there were also cases obviously outside of Irish jurisdiction, but cases of animals being, you know, abused or mishandled, hit with sticks, pushed around, heads being stood on at uh, resting posts in France when they arrived there in 2009, sorry, in 2019 and 2020. So there were documented cases there. But there's also records that we had released to us through Freedom Information from the Department of Agriculture that confirmed, since 2018, there's been over 150 cases of non-compliance with animal welfare rules in Ireland before the animals uh, actually leave the country. And some of those, and several in fact, concerned the fitness of the calves, so were they actually fit enough to travel? Um, and then you have, on top of that, we also had released to us and internal departmental veterinary audit report from October 2020. And it found that some operators in the live export trade were not complying with watering and feeding intervals, journey times, and also the resting periods as set out under the EU law. So, you know, there are clearly cases not just been documented by the animal welfare groups, but also by the department themselves on an annual basis.
0: And Alexander, I'm going to come to you one last time on this. We have spoken about the enforcement issues that you have found across the EU. What changes in EU law do you think are needed to better protect the calves?
2: Um, What changes in EU law should be uh, done. So I think uh, the non-weaned animals should be transported, not starting with 14 days, but only with five weeks when the immunological gap is passed. So when they are able to produce their own antibodies against um, bacteria and viruses and uh, non-weaned animals should not be uh, allowed to be transported for more than eight hours so that an interval of feeding milk or milk substitutes uh, of 12 hours should be or must be guaranteed.
0: And there do appear to be some changes coming down the tracks from Brussels Nile that may not bode well for the Irish live export trade.
1: Yes, it's, you know, while there's obviously arguments from within the industry and the Department of Ireland that the highest welfare standards are applied to, the EU, in, the EU institutions are looked into the into stricter control of the industry and looking at several of the points Alexander raised there. So you have the European Parliament, for example, which had a landmark committee on this very issue last year. They passed proposals to to tighten up the rules to protect calves during transport. They were looking at increasing the the age before they can be exported, limiting the amount of time that they can be in transport, feeding time intervals, all those issues. Now, some of the strongest proposals that would have impacted Ireland were defeated there, but. You know the moves in Europe should come as a wake-up call for many within the sector, and you also have agricultural ministers now in the Council of Europe, in I think six countries who are calling for for tighter controls there, but also for the export um, of cattle to third countries or non-EU countries such as those in the North Africa in the Middle East. So I think some within the sector are starting to see that there is a writing on the wall in some way, so to speak. Uh, and they are calling on the state to support them, building feeding facilities at the ports. Uh, there's also research going on to longer lasting, slow release milk formula for the calves, a, straight, a state drive also to increase beef production coming from the dairy herd. But I think the key thing is that all these changes, you know, even if they do come about, will take years to come into effect. And the animal welfare groups we spoke to really... They don't foresee these changes in the Irish system coming anytime soon. Uh, And for them, it comes down to, as one group told us that if the EU wants to put the welfare of the calves front and center of this debate, then the only option really would be to stop the trade entirely in calves or really revamp those rules to ensure their protection to a much higher level. This is, you know, while it's unlikely to happen, changes will be coming from Europe, really, and I think only time is going to tell now if those changes are going to fall more heavily in favour of the animals or the industry.
0: Thanks, Nile and Dr Alexander Rabich. We're proud as a nation of our reputation for sending quality beef out into the world. But perhaps we haven't been as aware of what happens once they leave our borders. I think this conversation today has opened our eyes on this live export trade, particularly the welfare of calves and what Europe will do to push forward improvements to the sector. Thank you for listening to this bonus episode of The Explainer brought to you by Noteworthy. It was produced by Laura Byrne. If you want to learn more about our work at Noteworthy and how we source our stories from you, our readers and listeners, head to our site at noteworthy.ie and sign up to our newsletter, which gives you an insider look at our latest investigations. You can do this by visiting noteworthy.ie forward slash newsletter. Thanks for having us and see you next time.